Well, uh, good morning. Glad that we could all be together again uh, today. If you happen to not know it for some reason, maybe you happen to be a guest with us. Uh, my name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here with the church, and I get a chance to preach every once in a while, so glad to be back in the pulpit with you again this morning. Now, follow your heart. Follow your heart. You've heard that advice before, I'm sure. Uh, follow your heart. And depending on what exactly a person means by that advice, that might be about the worst possible advice that you could give to somebody or that you could receive from somebody, depending on what a person means by that. Because the Bible says that the heart is deceitful. Our hearts deceive us. So depending on what you might mean by that, that is, uh, could be some bad advice, maybe. And yet, that is uh, basically what the prophet Nathan said to King David on one occasion when David was trying to make some decisions about uh, building the temple, uh, a, a temple for God. He said, go do all that is in your heart, he said. Follow your heart, we might say. Go do all that is in your heart, uh, Nathan said, for the Lord is with you. Now, he says that in uh, 2 Samuel 7, and uh, I think that tells us some things about decision-making. Okay, um, now that scene in, in 2 Samuel 7, and we'll touch on that um, in, in a little bit here, it, it's not a passage that's in the Bible, I don't think, primarily to sort of give us like a, a proof text of some sort for decision making, okay? It's not primarily why, the, why it's in the Bible, but it does point us to, to some things. It does shed some light, I think, on, on making decisions uh, as a Christian. And that's, that's where I want to go today here uh, with the message. I want us to think again about wise decision-making um, as Christians. And I say again, because if you were here last week, you know that Pastor Brett sort of broached this, this subject, this topic of decision-making as Christians. Um, he was preaching out of uh, Acts chapter 1. And there, there is a scene there where the, the, the apostles are working to discern God's will in, in making a decision that they had to make about what disciple would replace Judas as one of the, the 12 leading apostles. And so Pastor Brett drew out of that some principles, some factors, th things to think about in helping us to make decisions as Christians, discerning uh, God's will. And I think certainly for myself, that was very, very helpful uh, for, for different reasons. I know um, after talking with others of you as well, I know that that sort of struck a chord uh, with some of you. Uh, again, for me, for my wife, I know this definitely strikes a chord for us. We happen to be in the midst right now of, of all sorts of decisions. I know uh, some of you know we're, we're trying to make decisions about, about selling our house uh, in St. Paul and, and buying a house uh, someplace else. And, and, it, and as it turns out, as things seem to be uh, moving forward, it turns out that probably it seems like the Lord is moving us probably to a house in, uh, in White Bear Lake. And, and we're very excited about that. Uh, we think that's the path that the door is leading, uh, the, the door that the Lord is opening for us. Um, to quote one of you who shall remain nameless, but I don't think you're actually in here, um, you said, boy, if these details ultimately come together, it really does seem like the Lord is the one who's moving you. And so it does seem like that's what's happening. Uh, mostly exciting for us. 
definitely a bit further north than we want to be. We wouldn't think that that's ideal. We weren't, uh, wouldn't have planned that we uh, would sort of land that far north, but mostly really excited about it. Lots of things that, have, have, that we would consider in that, and uh, it seems to make sense to us. So it's, it's been a few weeks now with some, a lot of decision-making, um, uh, a lot of trying to discern the Lord's will in these things. Um, so a lot of deep discussions, significant discussions, prayer, deep thinking, counsel. And um, so again, for us, for my wife and I, this topic that, that Brett broached last week of decision-making and trying to discern the will of God, man, it just strikes a chord with us. And again, I know with uh, several of you that I've talked with, um, I know that this, this is a concern uh, for us, discerning God's will in making significant uh, uh, decisions. And so, uh, again, just for the sake of this message, I sort of want to build on what Brett started last week, sort of expand a bit um, on, on this topic of, of, God's, of discerning God's will and, and, and making decisions as Christians, specifically sort of the bigger life-shaping decisions that, that we might make. So please pray with me, and then we will go ahead and get into that. So, Lord, thank you for the opportunity here to, uh, again, to be together. We don't want to take it for granted, though, we often do. Um, it's a Sunday morning. You get up, you do your thing, you go to the church service. That's what you do. But Lord, wow, what a privilege it is to be, to, get, to be gathered together like this as your church. You do say that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there among them. And so I pray that you would be with us in that unique way that, that comes when your people are gathered uh, together. And, and help us now to, um, uh, to uh, be sanctified in the message ahead here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, just first of all here, quick review of what Pastor Brett um, mentioned last week. He said that we should consider four factors in trying to discern God's will in making our decisions. Number one, he said the Bible, Scripture. So read the Bible to know what is the heart of God. Um, Read the Bible for... Uh, what sometimes might be actually pretty specific direction. So in the case of Acts 1 and the apostles trying to choose another disciple, the Bible told them they've got to find somebody to replace Judas. But the Bible didn't tell them who to choose. Okay, they had to figure that one out on their own. But the starting point was, what does the Bible say? Okay, good starting point for making decisions. So the Bible. Number two, Brett mentioned common sense. Based on what the Bible said, again, you take this example of the apostles in Acts chapter 1, based on their experience that they had with different men, um, they, they essentially decided to choose among those men. We're going to narrow the field down to two, and we'll ultimately choose between those two people. So, common sense. Number three, uh, prayer, Brett mentioned. Number three is prayer. So, the apostles specifically asked God to reveal to them what they should choose. Who, who should be the one to replace Judas? They, they did some work, narrowed the field down to two, and said, Lord, which one? What should we do? Uh, they prayed, and they asked God for direction. And then number four, Brett mentioned, God's leading. Okay, so the, 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 the apostles, they had lots. They cast lots. They basically flipped a coin. Um, they had that option in that specific uh, moment in history, moment of redemptive history. Um, but we don't have lots today. We have the Holy Spirit. Okay? We, have, we, are, we have the filling of the Holy Spirit. So, so Brett emphasized that this, this factor number four is the leading of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Brett 
went on to mention a handful of ways that maybe uh, potential ways that the Spirit could lead us, and I'm going I'm to uh, uh, touch on those, sort of expand on those a bit here uh, today. So, so Scripture, common sense, prayer, and the leading of the Holy Spirit, those are at least four things, uh, not the only things, but at least four things to consider in discerning God's will as we're making our decisions. Now, I'm going to go ahead here and expand on that list a bit. And uh, I think we get pointed to some things here with that Second Samuel passage that I alluded to earlier. Um, so we can look there. I think we have a slide for this. Second Samuel 7, verses 1 to, th- 1 to 3. Now, the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies. And the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. So David is, in other words, expressing his desire uh, and his idea to build a temple for God here. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. So I want us to notice there um, an example here of a few things that we can think about with regard to making decisions. First of all, there's freedom. Secondly, there is desire, and there is counsel. Freedom, desire, and counsel. So King David had freedom here. He had freedom to choose what he thought made sense and what he wanted to do here about building this, uh, the temple for God. And so he began to step in that direction. He had freedom to do it. He wanted to do it. started stepping in that direction. And the first thing he did was to get counsel from Nathan in moving in that direction. And so along with the, the factors that, that Brett mentioned last week, um, here would be, I think, at least three more factors that we could consider um, uh, in making decisions. Again, freedom, desire, and counsel. And then I'm going to add another one. I'm going to add a fourth one to consider, uh, but I'll mention that later. So first of all, freedom. Thinking about freedom a, a bit here. Um, just know that you are free. You are free with regard to even really massive big decisions in your life. You have freedom. Just know that. I mean, notice here that Nathan said to David again, go, do all that is in your heart for, a little bit of a qualifier there, for the Lord is with you. Go do all that's in your heart for the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And so, so depending on whether or not the Lord is with you, that's going to make the advice of follow your heart uh, more or less wise. Okay? Um, and the fact is that, that if you are a part of God's people through Jesus, then the Lord is with you. If we are in Christ, then the Lord is with us. If we are trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins, if you are trusting Jesus alone to be with God, for favor with God, and that's the only way we can have God's favor is if we're trusting in Jesus for that. If that's us, then we are part of God's family. We are part of God's people. God is our good father. God loves us. God is our good father and wants what is, is, is best for us. We, uh, to, to, to him, you are well, or with you, he is well pleased if we are with the Lord in Christ. And, and, and as a good father then, God provides some measure of boundary for us to be sure, but then he says, go. Be creative. Go outside and live life and be free. 
inside this boundary of instruction that I have provided for you. And the fact is, man, most of the decisions that we make from day to day, even some of the really massive life-shaping issues, are not explicitly addressed in the Bible. We might know some things about some big issues principally, but specific direction, what do I do, when do I do it, how do I do it, we don't get that specific direction very often. Um, You notice here um, with King David, well, you don't see it obviously in the text, but a little background here. Um, David didn't know clearly and didn't know specifically from God who should build a temple, that a temple should even be built, when a temple should be built. Um, But in David's context, it made sense. In David's context, it seemed like a good idea. It was a a longing of his heart that he wanted to do this thing to to honor the Lord. And then uh, Nathan essentially said, go for it since the Lord is with you. And so this gets at um, what Gary Friesen calls the principle of freedom. I think there's a slide for that. Gary Friesen, he wrote a book called Decision Making and the Will of God. It's been very helpful for me over the years. And that principle of freedom simply says, it says this, it says, where there is no command, God gives us freedom and responsibility to choose. And he says, "There, there, there are some decisions which have multiple options any number of which may be acceptable to God. However, the final decision must not be in violation of God's moral will, in purpose, in attitude, or in execution. The principle of freedom when it comes to decision-making and the will of God. So, for example, 1 Corinthians 7.39. Interesting example. Some marriage advice here. Uh, The Apostle Paul says there, "...a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives." But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Okay, now, of course, this is not, um, this one verse doesn't address all the things related to to marriage matters, but I want to point it out because it does show the massive freedom, the significant freedom that we have, even when it comes to super huge decisions like a spouse. It doesn't get uh, much more massive than choosing uh, who we might marry. And so um, Paul says here that there's freedom to be married to whom we choose. To whom we choose. We have that freedom. Only, he says, in the Lord. In other words, we're free to choose whom we would marry within God's boundary of instructions. Namely, in this case, that Christians marry other Christians. So imagine a playground with a fence. I've used this analogy before. This is a favorite analogy of mine. This is super helpful to me. Imagine a playground with a fence. Maybe imagine the peace of mind playground out there. Big, huge fence. It's not even a circle. It's like a crazy shape. So it's creative and and interesting. But then all sorts of playground equipment, all sorts of free space to play, do different things uh, for kids. So play, kids. But inside the fence, stay inside the fence. And so the fence is God's explicit commands. It's his principles. Um, Again, in this case of 1 Corinthians 7, it's Paul's, this is Paul's marriage counsel here. Christians marry Christians. Christians don't marry non-Christians. But inside the fence, man, all sorts of options uh, uh, when it comes to choosing potential spouses free to pursue um, any number of people that the Lord might uh, draw us to. So, so freedom, okay? And, and just know, uh, I, I just want you to know this morning that you are free. 
We are free to make decisions if the Lord is with us. If the Lord is, is with you, if you are a beloved child of God because of your trust in Jesus, then God puts up a, a very loving fence for you. He does put up a fence. There is a boundary there, but he puts up that loving fence and he says, go, do all that is in your heart. Do all that is in your heart. Now, um, it doesn't mean, of course, that there's no need for still more guidance on, on sort of different aspects of how we might go and do all that is in our, in, in our heart. For example, what's even motivating us? Um, what are our goals in doing what we're doing? What's our attitude while we're doing what we're doing? What's the best timing for these things? Those are certainly important decisions or, or important aspects of um, Christian disciple, uh, I'm sorry, Christian decision making. But with regard to the sort of the choices that are out there and available to us in and of themselves, um, uh, um, and, and whether it's acceptable per se in and of itself, if it's inside the fence, then with Nathan we can say, go, do all that is in your heart. So freedom. And then uh, a second thing, desire. Desire. Uh, notice again that uh, with, with David and Nathan and that scene there, David is simply stepping toward what he wants to do. He's simply stepping toward what he wants to do and what makes sense to him uh, in the time and in the context. And so I would just say for you too, for me as well, um, your desire can be a meaningful factor in your big life decisions. If in fact you are walking through life with Jesus, if in fact you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then your affections, your desires are going to be growing ever more progressively to be shaped by Jesus and his desires, his uh, affections. Your, and, and, and so to the degree that your desires are shaped by Jesus, then they should bear some weight in your decision making. And listen, understand that, that God uh, desires to give you uh, he desires like a good father. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. If your desires land inside that fence, God is a good father and he wants to give you those things. My gosh, I can't believe how much I want to give to my kids, uh, provided they, they're wanting the right things. I want to give it to them. I want them to have it, if at all possible, under the circumstances. God delights to give us our desires when those desires are inside the fence. Um, Psalm 20, uh, notice this, Psalm 20, verse 4. This is a great prayer for one another and for ourselves when it comes to making decisions. So it's a blessing prayer. May he, may God grant you the desire of your heart, your heart's desire, and fulfill all your plans. What a great blessing. What a great prayer. May God fulfill your heart's desire. May he fulfill your plans. It's a great prayer. So, so, so what might you actually want in whatever big decision that you might be facing? I mean, just stop and consider, what do I want? Do you, do you even take that into consideration? Your marriage decisions, schooling decisions for yourself or for your kids, housing situations, job choices. What do you actually want? What is your desire? Now, that is certainly not the only factor to consider. In fact, none of these things, none of what Brett mentioned last week, none of the things I'm mentioning this week, none of them in and of themselves as one factor are enough. 
But as we take these things together and we see a picture come together, we see multiple factors intermingle, then we can get a wise path forward. And, and, and your desire should be one of the data points. What you want, if, you're, if the Lord is with you, should be one of the, the data points. So freedom and desire. Um, understand that, again, that in Christ you're free. You can choose a million choices inside that wonderfully expansive fence that he puts up for us. Um, we're free to make all sorts of important, big decisions that accord even with our own heart's desire. Understand that you are free and consider what you want. And then a third thing to consider would be counsel. Okay, counsel. Getting some counsel. Notice again that, that with David, he wanted what he wanted, but he didn't then just sort of run and say, oh, I want something, I'm going to go do it. No, like the first thing he did was get counsel. The first thing he did was go to a very respected person of counsel, namely the prophet Nathan. Um, so he went and he got counsel. And we should do the same thing. So this helps to qualify. This helps to temper our freedom and our, and our desires. Take the time to get counsel of other trusted believers. Uh, talk to your life group. I think Brett mentioned a bit about this last week. Talk to your life group. Talk to your elders. Talk to trusted Christian friends. Consider what their opinion might be. Consider what advice they might give. Uh, and, and, and these counselors will help us. They'll, they'll, they'll help us to, to see the blind spots. Um, they'll help us to consider what may or may not be legitimate in the things that we want or in the, in the, the, the perception of freedom that we have. Um, you know, and if you're, and by the way, if you're deciding one thing and like everybody else thinks something else, probably should uh, see the yellow flag there or probably a red flag there and choose something different, okay? Probably you're not sort of tracking on, on the right path there. So, so, so we get counsel. Um, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says that there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And getting counsel will help us to know, is this the right time? Is this the right season? Might be in the fence, might be a perfectly good choice, but maybe now is not the time. Maybe it'd be better at a different time. Maybe it's not as beneficial now as it might be later or something like that. So counsel helps us with that. Um, Proverbs eleven fourteen says this. It says that where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I love that. There's safety. It's like a, a, a safety net, you know. Uh, you're walking a tightrope and you fall and you've got all these counselors there to, to, to grab you. Um, counselors, help. There's safety in getting the advice, the advice of people um, that, uh, who love you and, and whom you trust. I know for Karina and me, uh, in, in, in uh, our season right now of decision-making, we've been stepping through these uh, decisions related to, to moving in this house or that house or where or whatever, and we have had uh, a whole bunch of people uh, weigh in on the decisions that, that, that we are making, both from inside this church and uh, a handful of people outside of this church. Um, we've had conversations with several people just explicitly related to the wisdom of, of 
of this potential move. And honestly, we are so thankful for that. I mean, just so, so thankful. The, the proverb says that there's safety in the abundance of counselors, and I know we definitely feel that. I think that, that is a, a good word for what we feel as a result of the, the uh, counsel, the advice that we've been receiving. We feel, we, we feel safe. We've, we've heard the input of others, and that's been very stabilizing for us. It's been reassuring to us. And so, so freedom, um, desire, and counsel. And then, the final thing that I would mention, I think this is also, this is a, a key thing uh, in all of this uh, that we need to consider, and this comes in the same scene uh, that we have with David and Nathan there, but it comes in just after the verses that we read. So if you've looked into your Bible already, you know where this is going, but if you're just looking at the screen, um, and this factor to consider is correction. Correction. And by what I, what I mean by that is course correction, okay? So that is, in other words, be, be open to the Spirit correcting your course. Be open to the Spirit directing you into a different direction than you might have initially thought was best. Again, uh, you've got this exchange between David and Nathan. Uh, we can, we can uh, look there again. We, well, maybe it's been up there a while. Did that just pop up there? All right, we're good. Um, uh, just don't want to give it away here, but I think you know where this is going. But you, we stopped reading at verse 3. Let's pick up reading at verse 3 again and keep reading. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Okay? But then we keep reading into verses 4 and 5. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David... Thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? In other words, he's, he's saying, it's not for you, David, actually, to build uh, me a house. David wanted to do that. David wanted to build the Lord a temple. He was, he was free to do that, all things considered. He sought counsel from Nathan. Initially, Nathan actually agreed. David's decision made perfect sense to him, all things considered. And apart from any explicit word from the Lord to the contrary... Nathan knew that there was freedom, and so he offered his advice. But then, course correction. Things change. Nathan receives an explicit word from God uh, that, in fact, David ought not build the temple. And, in fact, God wanted uh, David's offspring to do that. Now, again, um, I just want to highlight that these, this passage is not in the Bible primarily because of the thinking about the idea of decision-making. This is actually an awesome chapter uh, that points us to Jesus in some pretty massive ways. But just looking at some principles that we can grab from it here. And, um, and uh, uh, so the principle here, one of the principles that we grab from this, is that we go ahead and we enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ. We enjoy that freedom. We understand that we're free to move about expansively inside the fence, so to speak. And we are free to follow our desires as, as those desires are shaped by Scripture, as those desires are shaped by prayer, as they're shaped by uh, the counsel of others and by common sense. We're free to pursue those things. But then, be open and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, either to confirm those decisions that we make or course correct. Um, this, this would be something in line with what Sinclair Ferguson talks about in his uh, uh, little booklet on decision-making. Is your decision consistent with the lordship of Christ? So this would kind of fall into that category. We are, we are submissive to 
um, how the Spirit might course correct. And we look to Jesus as our master in that course correction and not ourselves. So then, and, and this is another way also to get at um, the fourth factor that, that Brett talked about last week, and that is God's leading, or it's the leading of the Holy Spirit in our decisions. And the Holy Spirit can lead us in uh, all sorts of different ways, many, many ways. He does that through Scripture, I would say, especially, um, uh, and, 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 and even primarily, um, um, but he does so in other ways as well. But certainly with Scripture. I mean, as the Holy Spirit gives us um, to rightly understand Scripture, to rightly apply Scripture in different ways, the Spirit will lead us. Understanding God's promises and His principles and His and His commandments, um, His, his, his yeah, His commands, the Spirit is going to lead us in the Bible or through the Bible. The Spirit will also, however, lead us in some other ways, and I'm going to uh, mention a few here. So, number one, uh, through open doors, the Spirit will lead us through open doors. I'm sure that you've all had that experience where you're running into a store or maybe running out of a store or something and you, you grab the door and it's stuck, it's locked, and you just instinctively like move to the next door and you grab it, open it, and through you go. So you, your path was just chosen. You just chose your path uh, based on what door was open. I was either going to go this direction or this direction. This was the door that's open, so that's the way I'm going. And the Spirit will lead us at times in those kinds of ways. And so we need to pay attention to what doors might be open up to different paths that we, that we might choose. Um, the Apostle Paul did this himself uh, related to his, his ministry, his ministry plans. Um, in 1 Corinthians 16, he do, we see an example of this, 1 Corinthians 16, 7 to 9. Um, Paul says, For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. So he's expressing desire there, by the way. He's expressing what he wants. But, he says, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? Because for a wide door for effective work has been opened to me. And there are many adversaries. So there I think Paul, that's an example, I think, of Paul working out of, uh, of his freedom that he has. Uh, he's considering what he wants. He's think, considering what he might think is best in any given situation. But he's watching. And he, he is not his own master. He's submissive to Christ and his lordship and the leading of the Spirit. And so he's looking for where are the open doors? Where or what might be open doors in front of me? And that helps him decide his ministry path. That helps him to know where he's going to go next. Um, and, and man, with open doors, uh, with Karina and me, again... Uh, I'll use ourselves as an example again and do it a couple more times because this is just the world we're living in right now. Um, just all these decisions. Man, I think the idea of open doors, that has been very significant for us as we've sort of made the decisions that we have made. Um, we, we figured, you know what? You can't steer a dock ship. So we're going to get the ship out of the harbor, so to speak, and we're going to get moving. And we're going to pray like crazy that the Lord will open doors where he wants us to go and he will shut those doors and lock those doors tight where he might not want us to go. So would he lead us by open doors? And it sure seems like, at least to this point, that there are, these doors just keep opening for us. Doors open that, that sort of shouldn't be opening uh, in, in the way things kind of normally uh, work. And so we're just trusting like one step after the next, one step after the next, to uh, walk through those 
open doors. Like, for example, just a, a couple things. Um, I mean, our, our house, this, this house in White Bear Lake that we might potentially end up in, um, they, they accepted our offer there, even though it was the worst of three offers that happened to be put in there. Oh, and by the way, our house wasn't even on the market yet, but they accepted our offer. They wanted us to live there. Um, even, and that came actually even after we said, you know what, we're going to let the deadline pass. We're going to put in this offer that's never going to work, but what the heck, uh, and we'll put it in three hours after the deadline. Let's see what happens there. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a way of saying, Lord, I don't know. This doesn't seem like this is going to work. So if this works, wow, we want to pay attention to that. Um, or like getting an offer then on our house in St. Paul um, by the first person to walk through the door of our open house on the first day it was on the market, even though the average in our area is 30 days on the market. So it's things like that that we just at least want to pay attention to. Like, these doors should not open, but they opened. So we just want to sort of step, uh, humbly step, one step at a time. Open doors. Um, another way that the Spirit might lead, a, a second thing to, to mention here. Um, he may lead through, through peace in our hearts or not peace in our hearts. Rest in our spirit or not rest in our spirit. And the Apostle Paul is an example of this as well. Um, so 2 Corinthians 2, verses 12 to 13, he says this. He says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. And so, my heart's not at rest, so I'm going to move on. I'm going to take leave of them. I went to Macedonia. So for some reason or another, and there's different... Um, options of what might be going on here for what's going on with Titus. But for some reason or other, I think this is remarkable, even though a door for ministry was open to Paul, because Titus was not in Troas, Paul had unrest in his spirit. He did not feel a peace that he could live with related to Titus. And so he made a decision because he didn't feel peace in his heart. It was unrest. It was at unrest he chose to leave the open door behind. That's amazing. There's an open door wide open. Like, go, run in there, right? I mean, the Lord's opening a door to do ministry. Run in there. Of course you're supposed to run in there. Eh, there might be some other factors at play. One of them might be whether there's rest or unrest inside of our, our, our spirits. Uh, might be other factors at pray, play. And that's another way that the Holy Spirit will, will lead us. Um, so in light of other factors, like the Bible... In light of factors like common sense, like counsel, like prayer, it is worth asking, I mean, do you, with whatever decision you might be facing or have in mind as I'm preaching right now, like, do you feel peace? Is there rest in your soul? Do you, does it feel right? Or does it feel like there's just something missing, you know? Um, it's deeply subjective, which can be really frustrating. But that's part of the life of faith, is we have this subjective experience between our spirit and the Holy Spirit. And it's subjective. Um, so it can be difficult. It's partly why decision-making is tough, because it's so subjective in, in many respects. Again, using Karina and me as an example, because this is the world we're living in right now. Um, man, there was a point in the last few weeks where we, we felt a deep sense of unrest in our souls, even though all these doors seemed to be opening to us. And, um, and as we sort of prayerfully considered that, we realized that the reason there was unrest in our souls, in this particular case, for Paul, Titus wasn't there. That's got him uneasy. In our case, 
we felt like we just needed a little bit more counsel. We had already talked to a bunch of people. We felt like we got to talk to a few more people. And, uh, and to, to, that's what had us, I think, feeling uneasy. So by God's grace, we, we did do that. Um, boy, and as, again, as the, as the proverb says, in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. And so we sort of pumped the brakes a little bit. We talked to our realtor to figure out what our options here, given, about, given where we were in the process. Took some time to talk to a few more people. And, uh, and then we felt uh, surprisingly quickly, actually, uh, very, very safe to, to, to move, move ahead in that. Um, so take time to get counsel, reiterating an earlier point, but connecting it here for us, that just happened to be for us what was causing the unrest in our souls. We felt like we needed a little bit more counsel. So rest or unrest in your spirit, something to pay attention to. Um, another way that the spirit might lead you, and that is through actual direct communication with you. The spirit might actually directly communicate with you, maybe in a dream, maybe in a vision. Amazingly, that's possible. Something like that, maybe with a sense of him speaking to your spirit. Maybe. Uh, For example, Acts chapter 9, verse 10, it says there that there was this disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, dot, dot, dot. And it goes on uh, that the Lord speaks to him uh, about Paul and to go and connect with Paul and and help Paul. Um, But what I think is helpful here is that Ananias wasn't sort of a, a famous leading apostle. He was just regular disciple. He was just essentially a regular disciple, a disciple like you and me, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, regular Joe Schmo disciple, and he could do that for you and me. He could speak to us um, uh, in a vision. We don't have to be an apostle to have a vision. We don't have to be a super disciple to have uh, a, a vision, just regular disciple filled with the Holy Spirit. It's possible that the Holy Spirit would speak to us directly in a vision. So um, that needs to be uh, considered, and we need to be open to that possibility. And then a final way that I'll mention here, another way that the Spirit might lead us, it's through other people. And this is uh, a a, a very significant one. I think this is one of the more common ways that the Spirit will speak to us um, again, I talked about getting counsel from others, and it's, but, it, but, but understand, getting counsel from others as Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit is not just going to somebody else who's read their Bible, prayed, and has common sense, but it's going to someone else to hear, is the Spirit going to speak through you? Is the Spirit going to speak through what you tell me, through the counsel that you give? We have the Holy Spirit in us. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Will the Spirit use you to give me wise counsel now? Maybe, maybe not in any given context. So we, we see that with David and Nathan, of course. Um, uh, or in Romans 15, Romans 15, verse 14. Paul says there, he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. You're filled with all knowledge and you're able to instruct one another. Okay, hold on to that verse. You, you, you keep that in mind with, with a verse like um, Ephesians 5, 19 that speaks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And you hold on to a parallel passage in Colossians 3 that speaks about admonishing and instructing one another um, in, all, in all wisdom. So I would say that you take those things together and I would say that if, you, if, if, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit 
And we are filled with knowledge of Jesus and his word and his passions and his, his desires, um, his instructions. If we're filled with the spirit and filled with that knowledge, then we have what we need to counsel one another in hard decisions in life. We do have what we need to counsel one another through hard decisions. Um, uh, and, and, and the Spirit may very well speak through us to one another in counsel for our good. Uh, J.I. Packer says this. He says that the Holy Spirit regularly guides us in discernment for decision-making via the judgments of others. So the Spirit will speak to us through other people's judgments. Or, um, as we see with, with Nathan and David, someone might have the gift of prophecy, and the Spirit might speak to us through the exercise of, of that gift. Now, um, I said, like Nathan and, and David, I, I, I don't think that the gift of prophecy that operates for us today is the same as kind of what was going on with the Old Testament and, and, and Nathan as a, as a prophet there. Um, but still today, we do believe that it could be that getting counsel from others, um, the Spirit might speak to us, might speak to you through somebody's gift of prophecy. That's in the realm of possibilities. And so bottom line is, is, is that the, the Spirit will lead us through, through various means. I mean, he's not pigeonholed into one way. He's got various means of speaking. And, 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 but we do need to be prayerfully, um, humbly submissive to the Spirit's direction as we make our decisions. Maybe he's going to course correct like he did with uh, Nathan and, and, and David. Going down a good path? Nope. The Lord has something else. Um, maybe he'll affirm that decision, um, but somehow, some way, he, he's leading, and we want to be sensitive to that, to however he might choose to provide that direction. So the Bible, common sense, prayer, the leading of the Spirit, all those things considered and accounted for. Also remember that we are free to follow our desires and to, and to, uh, and to get counsel and, and be open to course correction by the Spirit. Um, and, and, and I'll close with this. Um, again, I said Gary Friesen. He wrote this book called Decision Making and the Will of God. It's been very helpful. Uh, and the last principle that he mentions there is a principle called uh, the principle of humble trust, uh, which says this. Um, this is very comforting to me. Um, it says that when we have chosen what is moral and wise, in other words, it's sort of, it's inside that fence, and, and, and you've prayed, and you've been in the Word, and you've, gotten, you've received counsel, and, you've, and you've, done, you've had the leading of the Spirit, and you've chosen, we must trust the sovereign God to work all the details together for good. And I say amen uh, to that. I think that's helpful uh, to put us at rest. Um, Decision-making can be uh, anxious. I mean, it can be an anxious thing. It can be, it can just rack us with anxiety uh, trying to make big decisions. But we can rest knowing that in the end, our God is totally sovereign over our circumstance. And, and he's not just sovereign over it like power mad guy in control, but he's sovereign and in control over it as our good father who loves us, who wants what's best for us, who is our shepherd, who's going to care for us and lead us along still waters into green pastures. He wants to lead us into good places that are good, that's good for our soul. Uh, Proverbs 16.9 says that the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 
So we can trust that. We can trust that. We, we, we can, um, uh, you know, I mean, as we're going and we're doing all that is in our heart to do, as, we're, as our heart is making plans, as that proverb says, we can trust that our good Father will, will direct us along the way by His Spirit again for our good. Um, so we can't ever, like, mistake our way out of the Lord's care for us. We can't ever make such a bad decision that he's going to cast off all care for us because, whoops, we made a really bad decision on that one. He can't, that won't cast off his care. We can't make any mistake that's going to sort of spin his, his plans for us out of control. It's one of the, 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 the points of peace that we have or reasons or grounding for peace that we have with the God that we have as he's revealed in the Bible. He's in control. And we, our mistakes can't spin Uh, his plans for us out of control. Uh, He loves us through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. So we are uh, safe in that as we make really big decisions. There's a lot more that could be said about discerning God's will and decision making. I'm aware of that. This is one sermon in 35, 40 minutes. Um, But I think that's, but I, I want us to consider the factors that Brett mentioned last week and these additional factors of freedom and desire and counsel and the leading of the Spirit. Um, so uh, may the Lord help us in that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, again, uh, the chance that we are together here. And I'm just, I just pray that you would cause to sink in deep to our hearts, deep in our minds, the things that, um, that you want. Each of us here are individuals, but each of us here are part of a body of, of, of Christ Redeemer Church. And you know what we need as individuals. You know what we need as a church with regard to discerning your will and uh, with regard to big decisions that we're making. And so we just simply ask for your help. We submit ourselves to you this morning. You are the sovereign God. And while we might plan our, 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 our heart might make plans, we trust that you will determine our steps. And then in, any, in anything that we want, we hold it open-handedly and we say, Lord, not our will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name, amen.